Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Nate Hansen, Jared Cowley, and Max Barr on the ones and twos. So good to be back for another episode, and we are getting closer and closer to basketball, returning to Rip City. Friday night, the Blazers open the preseason against the Sacramento Kings, so we'll get our first chance to, to see them from the comforts of our own homes. Unfortunately, fans won't be allowed inside the Moda Center. But guys, I want to ask you, as we talk via Zoom from our homes, socially distant as usual, what you guys are looking forward to heading into this first preseason game. Is there anything that excites you about the Blazers Kings or just seeing basketball again? Jared, what do you think, man? I'm interested in seeing Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. Uh, play together I want to see what that looks like uh, defensively you know you're going to be able to see them switch onto pretty much any player uh, on the court and the Blazers haven't had that since Aminu and Harkless so I'm interested to see how that works I'm also interested to see how uh, Derek Jones Jr. fits into the offense Um, you're not going to see a lot because it's preseason so you know Stotts isn't going to roll out more than just a small portion of the playbook but you'll at least get to see what those guys can do in a Blazers uniform for the first time. And so of everything that's going to be out there on the court, that's what I'm most interested in seeing because it's new. And so we'll see what, we'll see what it looks like. How about you, Nate? Well, our good friend Max uh, brought this to our attention right before we started recording, but uh, I was looking forward to seeing Hassan Whiteside play against the Blazers. And uh, Max is telling us that doesn't look like that's going to happen Friday night. It looks like Whiteside, uh, it's not going to play Friday night, so we're going to have to wait a little longer on that. Uh, that was what I was most looking forward to, and otherwise, I'm just hoping they just don't get any more COVID cases and everyone stays healthy and we can get we can get to the real games. Man, that's the perfect thing to root for. No COVID cases, <laughs> please. Like, let's have a schedule work out for the time being. My goodness. Um, Terry Stotts uh, ha- held another media availability today, and you know, he he at least entertained us with his probable starting lineup with Dame and CJ and uh, Robert Covington, Derek Jones Jr. and Ennis Cantor as his, you know, likely starting five for this first game. Uh, also mentioned that Rodney Hood likely to not play in this one. There's there's no setbacks with Rodney, 
but they just want to take it, you know, give him a little more time to get acclimated to playing five on five because this week was the first time he was actually playing full court basketball since that Achilles injury a year ago. So, you know, uh, it's going to be exciting to see him play eventually, but it's not going to be in the first preseason game. And then a little bit of interesting news that, um, you know, Twitter kind of got a hold of, and, and um, Jason Quick had asked the question to uh, Gary Trent Jr., and, and that was, you know, with his uh, a contract up at the end of the season, how is he approaching that? And he basically said he's betting on himself and, and you know, will play through the season, and then we'll, that'll take care of itself. So I think some, some people a little concerned because you, you want Gary Trent Jr. to be a blazer for a long time. You saw what he can do in the bubble. Um, you see what he brings to the table defensively. Just an exciting young player with a lot of upside. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on, on Gary Trent Jr. And, and him basically betting on himself and wanting to, to play this out before agreeing or, or signing some type of contract. Uh, I think he's making the right call. Uh, if he can have another, if he can have a full season similar to what we saw from him at towards the end before the shutdown and then again in the bubble, if he can replicate that during in a 70 game season, then he's going to earn himself a lot of money this offseason. And even if he doesn't quite live up to those expectations, I don't think his value would drop much further than probably where it's at right now. So yeah, go big and go bet on yourself. It doesn't really hurt the Blazers because even if he plays himself into a large contract, the Blazers will have the right to match any offer. So, you know, it, it's in their hands whether they want to keep him on the team or not. And he's smart to bet on himself. You know, you may as well because he really made really big strides last season and he exceeded my expectations. I didn't have any expectations of him coming in and being, you know, a valuable rotation player last season. And, and he did that and then really kind of blew up in the bubble. So if he can, you know, even just repeat last season's performance and, and show some improvement, you know, he's, he's smart to bet on himself. He's a good player. Love it. Love it. I agree with that. Bet on yourself, man. Go big. Uh, as it is in 2020, it just kind of seems to be the way of life is that no schedule is safe. No plan is safe. You, you don't know exactly how things are going to play out. And Portland Trailblazers got a taste of it this week. And you guys know how we roll right now. We have three questions, three answers. And if you're listening to this podcast and you do so on a regular basis and you haven't subscribed yet, what are you doing? Help us out. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and also uh, make sure to comment and leave us those positive reviews. It helps us oh so much in getting this podcast out to more and more people. So please do so. So let's dive right into question number one. And that is, what was your reaction when you saw that the Blazers were shutting down the team facility due to positive COVID tests in the organization? They had to cancel the first day of training camp, clear out the practice facility in Tualatin, and give it a deep cleaning before they all came back and, and started to ramp up again for training camp. So, Jared, we'll start with you, man. What was that initial reaction when you found out that the Blazers had shut down practice on the first day? I guess the only thing I thought about it is that with, I mean, this is a shorter off season and training camp than normal. You've got some new players that, you know, need to acclimate to, to playing together. And so taking a day or two away from an already abbreviated training camp is, is not helpful, but I wasn't surprised that there were 
you know, positive COVID tests within the organization. Um, this is what we're going to see throughout the season. You know, this, is, this isn't a bubble anymore. We've seen that it's been difficult in other sports, Major League Baseball, the NFL, college football. And, and I, we're going to see that in the NBA too. And I wouldn't be surprised if it, I would expect we're probably going to see it again with the Blazers. And that's nothing against, as long as it's not because players are going out and breaking the COVID regulations and stuff like that, that the NBA has put in place, don't judge players because they, you know, they get COVID. It's going to happen with a lot of NBA teams. It's going to happen with a lot of players. This is going to be part of this season. It's going to be a strange season. So I wasn't surprised. I wasn't upset that it happened. It's just, it's too bad that they lost a couple of days of practice because they really need that. For me, it was a little bit more bigger picture than Blazers specific. It was just kind of a really quick reminder of how things can so quickly change uh, this season and how you think everything could be going smooth. Then all of a sudden, one day, everything is upended and pulled out from underneath you. And this was just a reminder of this. Like Jared said, we're not in the bubble. And actually, Rachel Nichols uh, on the jump, I thought, had a really good quote talking about this. She said about what the NBA is trying to do this year and COVID cases. And she said, quote, NBA teams will be trying to fit in three to four games a week indoors with players sweating and breathing all over each other as they travel around the country. And like to me, that's that was just a great image of what we're actually going to be looking at this year. And I think I may have taken that a little bit for granted. You know, we've seen football and Major League Baseball, they kind of just plowed ahead when they had some cases. In baseball, you can have a little more distance than you can in the other sports. And in football, it's also outside. You know, basketball's inside and close distance to each other. And these guys are going to be flying, as she said, around the country. So for me, it was just a, it was a reminder that, you know, this season is going to be turbulent. And whoever, whatever teams adjust best to, uh, whatever happens day in and day out, those teams are going to be the ones to have success this year. Definitely paints the the perfect picture with that. This they, they've got to be able to adjust, and it's going to be a season unlike any other, especially early on. That there's the whole preparing for a game, uh, having a game plan, your opponents, the usual stuff. But now you have this that is just a, a part of life that you have to be able to deal with. And so it was basically the Blazers' turn to, to deal with this pandemic. And, you know, even Dame had mentioned that in, in his press conference where, you know, he's just getting ready. He's in his routine, showing up at the practice facility and realizing, oh, we're no longer doing this today. And then it's, what did I do? What did I touch? Who was I around? How do, am I going to get it now? So like you have all of these other things that are happening beyond just, I need to be ready to hoop. I need to be ready to play these games. And this is something that isn't going in, away anytime soon. So that's going to be part of the game as well in, in trying to survive a season is real life. So I think this, is, this will be a theme throughout the league that we all need to be aware of and will have an impact on on how the season plays out. And we're seeing it, as you mentioned, Nate, in other sports, even locally with some of the, the colleges going through that, uh, that we cover here. So yeah, it, it's, it's that wake up call again, that friendly reminder that you guys were able to, to play in the bubble, but now you are out in the open and you're gonna be traveling to cities. You're gonna be hosting games and that's all gonna be part of it. <laughs> 
And to turn it just a little bit of focus towards basketball, like the Blazers having a lot of depth this year, which we believe they have, uh, I think will greatly benefit them this season. Mm -hmm. Because aside from trying to play so many games in a short period of time and maybe trying to get guys rest, there will be times this year where the Blazers will not have players available probably because of this virus. And so for them to have the depth that they have, hopefully in terms of pure basketball talk, hopefully that will help them uh, get through the season. Such a good point, man. Yeah, they, that's going to help them. I mean, they were exposed from a depth, you know, angle last season. And so this is part of it as, as well as injuries and whatnot. So, and on a side note, some people were asking, hey, uh, why is Ennis Cantor going to start the first preseason game? Yusuf Nurkic uh, had made a trip home to, to Bosnia uh, for family stuff and needed more time to pass the league's protocol before he could join the team. So um, as of yesterday, I think he still needed to, to get through two more rounds of testing before he could be you know, part of practice with the team again. So that's why you're not hearing Yusuf Nurkic. Um, he's fine to our knowledge and uh, just part of protocol in, in, in getting back out there. So, question number two, guys. Since we recorded our last podcast, the NBA released the Blazers' schedule for the first half of the season. So, I want to know what stood out to you. Is there is there something in particular that you guys like or dislike? The opener is at the Moda Center on the 23rd against the Utah Jazz, and then they'll play another one at home against the Rockets on the 26th before – hitting the road to face the Lakers, Clippers, and then back-to-back -back games against the Warriors to, to set things off. So, Jared, what do you think about the schedule? Anything particular stand out to you, man? Yeah, you kind of set up uh, my first point is that the Blazers, they have a really interesting, exciting schedule right off the bat. You know, like you said, they've got the Jazz, the Rockets, the Lakers on the road, the Clippers on the road, and then two road games against the Warriors back-to-back uh, -back, uh, those first six games of the season. So I think that it gives the Blazers, one, a chance to really establish themselves as, hey, we're, we're a different team than we were last year. We're better this year if they can string together some wins against this quality of competition. But it's also a test for this team. You know, right off the bat, it's, it's six tough teams and four of them are on the, ro are on the road. Um, the other thing I noticed is – you know, aside, even though those first six games are, are tough, the Blazers have a pretty nice stretch in January. It's pretty easy. They can get off to a good start, but then you start to look at February, and if that's not the toughest stretch of this, the entire season, we don't know what the second half of the schedule looks like that will be released later, then it will be one of the toughest. So if you look at it, beginning of the end of January – they have a six-game trip that ends February 7th. And then in February, six of their final 17 games are on uh, – final seven games are on the road. And 10 of 14 games in February are on the road. So February looks like a murderer's row if you just look at the schedule here. I mean, it's road-heavy. You know, you've got some good teams in there. It's not like a murderer's row of opponents. But they could get off to an, a good start in January – 
and then they'll be tested with a, a very road heavy schedule, some long road trips in February. So that's, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, I was, I thought I overall, my takeaway was it was actually a pretty favorable first half schedule for the Blazers. Jared's right. Uh, the beginning, you guys mentioned it could be tough with those first six games, but we don't know what the Rockets are going to be. We don't know who they will and won't have on their team. So maybe that game's not as tough as we think. And we really don't know what to expect from Golden State, especially early in the year as they come back. They haven't played in, they haven't played since March, you know, and they're going to play in two games really early. So that stretch maybe might not be as difficult as it appears on paper. But Jared's right. In January, the Blazers is where they can make up, can really build a win, a nice record, because they have a seven-game homestand. That includes Indiana, Atlanta, San Antonio, the Grizzlies twice, the Knicks, and Oklahoma City. That is a pretty favorable homestand, an opportunity where you could – your expectation for the Blazers probably should be you win six of those seven games at home. And then they go on a road trip. Uh, that will be, and that's where it gets a little bit more difficult is in February. Jared mentioned the amount of road games. The toughest stretch of schedule, I think, for them comes at the end of February. They play three straight road games against the Phoenix Suns, the Denver Nuggets, and the Los Angeles Lakers. So that will be uh, a really tough test for them towards the end of, end of February. But I think I think they really have an opportunity in January to build a win-loss record where we might see them, you know, as one of the top two or three teams in the West. And that's the kind of start they need to get off to. Yeah, that's the, the thing I'm looking forward to is just those, those first handful of games because we get an idea of how good this team is. I, I know that every team is lacking practice and time to gel together, but I think you'll be able to know just – being able to compare yourselves to a team like the Lakers or or uh, some of these others that are early on gives you an idea of where their start where their starting point really is. So that excites me um, because on paper this off season, there's a lot of reasons to be excited with this team. And you mentioned the depth and everything. So that's where I stand with that. Um, looking forward to that that Lakers game just as an eye test to see okay. How do, how do the, the Blazers match up against the defending champs? So it's going to be fun. And, and, yeah, like you guys said, the, the schedule that they have posted so far runs until early March. So still, couple, still some games. I say a couple other things I took away. One, obviously, no Christmas games. So Jared can't eat cherry pie sad oh, as he did a couple uh, years ago. I'm still going to eat the cherry point. pie, man. <laughs> He's still going to eat the cherry pie. He'll just do it a little bit happier. Yes, I won't uh, be I won't be sad eating that cherry pie. Yeah, so there's none of that. Uh, I always look for the Russ Dame showdowns, and obviously we're going to get a few less of, uh, less of those uh, this season, but February 20th looks like the first matchup between the Wizards and the Blazers. That's in Portland, so that will be the first time we get to see Russ first game this year. And on just a little bit more of a serious note, we talked about uh, the depth for the Blazers. Uh, I believe they go through a stretch where, here it is, from December 26th to January 25th. So that's a full month where they don't get more than one day off in between games. So you talk about the type of, you're just going to need legs and guys who are available to play for you, especially early in the year when you've had less training camp and less preseason games to build, to just have guys available for you. So for them, that 
while the schedule, I think, in terms of opponent is favorable, uh, that, that's a gauntlet in terms of time. But, uh, you know, they're not going to be the only team playing a stretch like that this year. It's, it's also wishful thinking, too. I mean, that, <laughs> that is a lot of games. Like, we're trying to get through training camp with, yeah, without right. issues. So let's see how the league handles, uh, you know, their first challenge. H how do they adjust these schedules where these games are so tightly compacted and they're playing every other game? So that's also something that, that to keep in mind as we go through this season. That's a really good point. A um, couple other things. They have seven back-to-backs. Four of those back-to-backs, and this is just in the first half of the schedule, are during that month of February when so many of those games are on the road. Looking at those first 18 games before they do that first, that seven-game road trip to kind of going into February, I, I think they need to go, I don't know, like 15-3 and three to really, Ooh. if they want to do what this team wants to do and actually challenge for, you know, the Western Conference, then they need to get off to that kind of a start against – it is a pretty easy schedule after those first six games. Like, they should be able to string together a lot of wins to kind of shore themselves up so that if they drop some of those during that brutal month of February, it doesn't hurt them too much. So they can't afford to get off to a slow start this season. They have to hit the ground running. They've got to win a good chunk of those first six games, you know, against good competition and then, and then just kind of run the table against – the rest of the schedule before they the the schedule gets really road heavy man if the blazers are 15 and 3 towards the end of january jared oh my gosh i can't even wait to see what type of excitement jared's going to be in he's going to be picking them to win the championship at that point orlando you i think you're with me on the same page man the 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 hype on this podcast will be nuts like <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll probably be doing emergency podcasts just oh. because they're off to this ridiculous start they'll they'll beat like the hawks to get to like 11 and 2 and we'll be like <laughs> emergency podcast they're 11 and 2 <laughs> best record in the nba they just beat the hawks <laughs> no man see what i'm doing here is i am setting the expectation for that first part of the season this team, if this team's good, they should run up a really good record against, you know, this first stretch. And then we'll see. I want to see what happens in February when they really get tested, when they've got all these road games. And then we'll see what they – but if this team's good, they should have a really good record going into that that road trip at the end of January. Yeah. Your overall... expectation, man. They should have that expectation. Yeah, and overall, the, the premise of the 15-3 and three record, Jared is correct. The Blazers, it's an opportunity for them to build, to build a nice record during that time, and they need to take advantage of it. Yep. So, guys, probably the most polarizing topic of the past two weeks or so that I feel came out of nowhere a little bit um, was retired numbers. All the uh, hoopla – this week about Carmelo Anthony, you know, he, he wanted to wear number seven. Jason Quick had asked him about that, and he said, hey, Rip City, help me out. Let's get the petition going. Let's figure out a way to do it. And then, you know, Brandon Roy gave his blessing, saying, yeah, Melo, you know, wear the number seven. It's all good. And then uh, the other day, Melo basically saying, well, it's going to cost too much money. Uh, you know, the NBA basically has, you know, all these jerseys already made with, you know, the double zero on them. So logistically it's probably not going to happen. So 
here we are, Mello will be rocking the, the double zero. But Nate had a great question based on that. And that it's, you know, he, he asked, Carmelo Anthony wanting to wear number seven, but not being able to because of, you know, everything that we talked about. It could possibly hang in the rafters at the Moda Center one day. We know Damian Lillard's letter O will be retired someday. Will anyone who played with Damian Lillard in Portland also get their jersey retired? Who wants to start on this one? I'll, I'll, I'll dive in on this one. So I, I think the best place to start is maybe list the numbers that currently are retired for the Blazers, just so we kind of know what the history is for this. So I'm going to give credit to Blazers Edge from this. This is where I'm pulling it from. Uh, the current list, uh, number one is retired, uh, Larry Weinberg. Uh, Dave Twardzik, number 13, retired. Lionel Hollins, number 14. Larry Steele, number 15. Maurice Lucas, number 20. Clyde, obviously, number 22. Bobby Gross and Terry Porter both wore number 30, retired. Bill Walton, uh, number 32. Lloyd Neal, number 36. Jeff Petrie, number 45. And Jack Ramsey, number 77. So those are the current Blazers who have their jerseys retired. And the most recent one of those is Bobby Gross and Terry Porter which happened uh, towards the end of the last decade, so more than 10 years ago. And so that's, it's not something the Blazers do very often, uh, retired jerseys. Granted, you definitely can make an argument they haven't had much of a reason over the last 20 years to retire someone's jersey. We know Damian Lillard someday will have the letter O up there. So for me, who as a teammate could potentially get their letter number retired? There were three guys for me that came to mind. And one of them, obviously, is going to be LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, and that is, that's a dicey proposition. He is, he is undoubtedly one of the best Blazers to ever play. He's in all the Blazers' career stat record books. He's all over it. To me, the other two options were C.J. McCollum, as he continues to build his legacy and career here in Portland. And then my kind of long shot, because he's so well, he's so beloved already in Portland is Yusuf Nurkic, uh, and how long he stays here. So, I'm going to say yes. There is a teammate of Damian Lillard's who will have their jersey retired, and it's going to be CJ. It's going to be the number three. I think CJ McCollum, as long as he and Dame stay together, and Neil Olshay seems as long as Neil Olshay is alive. Those two are going to be playing for the Blazers <laughs> in the backcourt. Uh, CJ is going to be here a little bit longer, and he's going to continue to climb up the, the career scoring list, career three-pointers, all that. I think CJ will have his number three retired. Yeah, so I think that in addition to listing off, you know, the numbers that are retired, you also kind of have to look at how this has gone for the Blazers in retiring numbers. And it's really weird. You know, you look at most of like a good chunk of the 1977 championship team had their numbers retired. And, you know, for all that that team accomplished, retiring numbers should be Hall of Fame level players, in my opinion, or at least the very best players in your organization. And most of the players that had their numbers retired from the 77 team shouldn't have. And their jerseys are in the Raptors, and that's great. 
but it kind of sets this weird precedent that the Blazers then haven't followed up with since. Because since, you know, what, 2001, you've had Drexler, Porter, Bobby Gross, and Bill Shonley, the broadcaster, had his number retired, and Lionel Hollins. So they haven't, you know, kind of done that where they set the precedent with the 77 team that if you had a team that had a lot of success, you were just going to retire most of the, the jerseys and numbers from that team. Since then, it's just kind of been scattershot of who they retire numbers for. I mean, Jerome Kersey's number isn't retired. You know, you look at that Drexler, you know, Porter team, they have players on that team where if you were following the precedent of the 77 team, you'd have Kersey's jersey retired. You have Buck Williams. You probably have uh, Duckworth's jersey retired. And, and none of that has happened. So I think that looking at kind of what they do now and how they've retired jerseys, I think that I agree with Nate that, that Lillard will definitely have his jersey retired. But I think unless this team gets to the NBA Finals and has that kind of level of success that the Drexler-Porter team had where you have to at least get to the Finals, I don't think anyone else on this team that or any player that's played with Lillard will have their jersey retired. And I really wish that the Blazers would kind of have some kind of I don't know. I, I can't make sense of how they retire jerseys. It's really strange. If you look at, you know, you read through these players and granted the Blazers don't have the same illustrious history as the Lakers, but if you look at the players who the Lakers have retired their jerseys, I'm just going to look this up right now. I was, I was reading this earlier. They've retired these numbers. Uh, I'm just going to read the players. Kobe Bryant, Wilt Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor, Gail Goodrich, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal, James Worthy, Jerry West, and Jamal Wilkes. Those are the kind of players who should have jerseys retired for any franchise. The Blazers really should probably only have maybe five or six jerseys retired at most. And so it's just hard for me to look at how do you even determine who's going to have their jersey retired in the future when it's been so scattershot how the Blazers have done this up to this point. So... I don't know. It's, it's the, the Jersey retirement thing is a weird thing f with the way the Blazers have done it. And I think that just looking at how they've retired jerseys lately, unless this team gets to the finals or wins a championship, I think Dame's the only one who has his Jersey retired. Man, I, I, I did not expect Jared to bash the only team that's won a championship in Portland during this <laughs> part of the podcast. I did not expect that to happen. Yeah. I, I kind of thought you guys, would have flipped what your opinions were. If oh, okay. you would have asked me how I thought this discussion would play out, I, I figured it'd be the other way around. But I, I do agree with Jared, and I, I would say it's going to take a championship. I think they got to win a championship for uh, those other players to have an opportunity to do it. Unless LaMarcus comes back here, has some type of huge impact in his late you know, stages of his career, and maybe they get to the finals or something like that. Because as you said, the, the records and the stats and all that's already there for him. Um, CJ would have to do it for a long time as well. And maybe, you know, he gets a, an all-star nod because the team has a lot of success. Need something like that. Um, and I, I, I do think that maybe there's a bit of a course correction with the Blazers in, in saying, okay, the 77 championship was so special that we're, we're going to, you know, put all of these numbers out there and then now looking at it and saying, uh-oh, 
you know, we, we could run out of numbers if, if we continue uh, working at this pace. So let's, let's pump the brakes on that and really reserve it for those Hall of Fame type players. And so I really think it's going to come down to championships. And if the Blazers were somehow somewhere able to do that, I think that's what it would take to get someone like CJ or Nurk in like that. And they've got to do it for a, a really long time. They've got to be here and continue to be here for that extended period. In terms of the long shot Nurk, I think I agree with you guys on that part. The Blazers would probably have to win a title uh, in order for him to, to reach that level of having his jersey retired. I just threw him in there because he's off to a really good start because mm -hmm. how much you are liked by the community also plays a huge role in these things. And Nurkic totally. is, is the fan base's second favorite Blazer currently mm -hmm. on the team behind Damian Lillard. I don't even think it's close. Uh, with all respect to CJ. Uh, and now I am going to give CJ some respect. So this is some real possibilities. Their top 10 scores, CJ's not quite in their top 10 career scores, but he will be at some point this season as long mm -hmm. as he stays healthy. He could be as high as five by the end of this regular season. And he's still probably got a couple more years in his prime, or at least the Blazers hope so, because he signed until 2024. So if he continues to score at the pace he's been scoring the last couple of years until at least the end of his upcoming contract, you know, he's going to be third yeah. on the scoring list behind only Dame and Clyde. And mm -hmm. if CJ is third on the scoring list, and I don't know what the, the success or not success the Blazers are going to have moving forward, but I already know he's been part of one team that's gone to the Western Conference Finals, which hadn't been done in nearly two decades. I know he's been the, the partner for the most popular and best blazer of all time in Damian Lillard. So when you think of them, I think a lot of us do think of them together, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. So I think C.J. really has a lot going for him. As long as he stays healthy and puts in another three or four or so more years, I think he's an easy choice mm -hmm. to retire his jersey. And he also chose to stay in Portland. Like, yeah. this matters. He was here his entire career. Both of yeah. these guys, they chose to stay in Portland, whereas LaMarcus Aldridge was on track for that jersey retirement until he bolted and left Portland, which is why he's never going to get his jersey retired, even if he came back. And, and I guess maybe if they won a championship. But that's not going to happen with, with LaMarcus Aldridge being there. And so that's why I think C.J. McCollum has a real legitimate shot at having his jersey uh, raised in the rafters. That yeah. makes sense, but but yeah. what's the Blazers' criteria? Of the Blazers' teams over the past 30 years, two players are retired. Their jerseys. But who, who, who Porter, that's it. Who, who would you say they should have retired, though? Uh, not, based on, not based on their past criteria, just based on your belief. Who should they have retired, though? Rasheed Wallace, you're not going to retire Rasheed's number. You know, who, 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 uh, who has been on the roster besides Brandon Roy? who's maybe deserving of it. Yeah. I mean, that and might be true. I, I'd look at some of them maybe again. I mean, yeah, you might be right. They haven't had a lot of illustrious star players since then. It's really a fan connection because I know I hear a lot of, a lot of people push for Jerome Kersey yeah. and you know, there's that, that fan, that, that connection there that goes beyond just what they did on the court. Obviously they need to be a good player, but Portland's unique in, in that way where there isn't – it is not that clear-cut. 
I, I like that, but at the same time, you just, it, you don't know. And I, I will say, I think that you do make a good case for CJ and a lot of people do look at Damon CJ in that light as them being coupled together, especially nationally. That's the first, yeah. that's the first name that people mention right after Dame. It's, it's Dame and CJ. Yeah. Um, even though we know how great Dame is and a lock for everything that, that comes along with this. So I would say that based on, on that, on, on the discussion that CJ probably has the best opportunity for that. I just think some things need to, to steer his way in terms of success, since that's the one thing that kind of ties these guys all together was they had to win a championship unless you're a guy like Clyde or, yeah. you know, some, some of the Walton, I guess would get in probably, but yeah, yeah the, the, I think success is, is going to matter. And I would, I would be, I would, I would be interested in some type of like ring of honor or something like that, where it's a way that those guys can still be honored and recognized, but that Jersey can still be used. And yeah. we don't have these discussions where a player's number isn't retired, but no one else should wear it type deal. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of weird, you know, yeah. and if the Blazers want to retire seven, let's do it. Let's, let's get it retired or, you know, let's keep it moving. Let's let a guy like Melo wear it. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the fact that they're even considering or probably going to retire Brandon Roy's number, I think shows a lot of what they are looking for, for a player's number who they're going to retire in the future. And that is someone that they probably drafted and had their success and stayed in Portland through that success. And to me, Dame obviously fits it. And CJ also fits that bill. And yeah, CJ is not the player Dame was, but CJ is still while not an all-star, a really good player. And if you're, you know, a top 30 NBA player for five plus years, and you spent most, if not all of your career in a city like Portland, I think that gives them a really good shot. Mm -hmm. I think you've convinced me, Nate. Oh, yes. (laughs) I think I still... I did it. I think I see your point. If, if like you say, if he, if he gets all the way to where he's third in all-time scoring for the Blazers and he stayed his entire career. I still think they have to make a, the finals for him to get there just because they've been, unless they just start retiring numbers. I mean, Clifford Robinson is fifth in scoring, you know, uncle Cliffy, his number isn't retired for the Blazers. Kersey, he's sixth. His number's not retired. Um, and, those teams had a lot of success. The teams that Robinson played for and the team that Kersey played for. This team needs to have more success, I think. I think you've convinced me, but I still think that with a caveat, I think they have to get to the finals once. I don't think they have to win a championship, but I think they have to get to the finals once. Max, have, Max, we haven't heard from you. Have, chime in here. Just, just tell everyone that you're on that I'm right again, like you did last hey guys. week. I really enjoyed that when you did that last week. Great to be with you. First of all, I'm, I'm shocked that Nate didn't say C.J. Ellaby. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I have in my notes, in my, in my notes, I did have two other names down. C.J. Ellaby was one of them. And, of course, Amperny was the Amperny other. Amperny Simons, yeah. yeah the number one, that's also. So look out for number one and number 16 down the road. <laughs> but I, I actually am with you, Nate. I think uh, – to me, it's pretty simple. Like if Dame and CJ are there their whole career with what they do in the community, I think it's easy. They both could get their numbers retired. 
And Jared, would you be upset if CJ's number was retired and they didn't make the finals? No, not at all. Well, there you just, go. I was just trying to look at, at to find some kind of rhyme and reason for how the Blazers do this and then apply yeah, it to, to future decisions because it's been all over the place. And listen, I don't think that they should unretire numbers or anything like that. Like those, those jerseys are up in the rafters. Let them stay there. But I would love it if the Blazers either came up with some kind of criteria that explains what they're looking for when they retire a jersey. Or I kind of like Orlando have a have a Hall of Fame, you know, put it there at the Moda Center where the fans can walk through and see and then retire names. You can still have jerseys in the rafters, but it doesn't have to be a number to have the name up there. The name. I mean, it's a player that counts. It's not their number. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, that's true. And, but there's still a lot of history left to be written for all these guys, including for Nurkic. Sure. And so we'll see how it all plays out. Time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I, I, I do can't. think that's a, a great point, Max, with um, the community side of stuff because CJ does he does a ton of stuff in the community, and I think that needs to be recognized. You know, we Dame obviously does, and and CJ does too, and I think sometimes it goes under the radar uh, with CJ, but man, he does a lot. And to your point, Nate, if, if you do get a player that spends his entire career here and is connected with arguably the franchise's greatest player of all time, then there is definitely a legitimate case to be made for CJ McCollum. So I thought this turned into a pretty fun uh, discussion. Um, I was wondering how much juice it would have, but it is interesting to, to see that there are current players or at least one current player that could have a shot at this thing, man. One more I, thing I just, about CJ. I think he's going to have a really successful post NBA career in sports media as well. I think that he's probably going to be on inside the NBA. He's going to take over for one of those, those guys that's on there now. Um, he's really, really good you know, at media. And so I think that he's going to be representing the Blazers long after he retires. Mm. And I think that that would be helpful too. If he spent his whole career in Portland, has all the community, you know, the work he's done for the community, like Max said, and then he continues to represent Portland in a good way after his career, then maybe it makes total sense to have his jersey in the rafters. All right. I'm totally on board. Good job, Nate. Good job, Max. You guys there we go. brought me Nicely over to done, your side. Gentlemen. There, there we go. I can't wait for CJ the Jet McCollum on Inside the <laughs> NBA. Uh, Show Who's he going to spar with, though? Who's going to take over for Barkley? Uh, Draymond Green. We'll, we'll get in there. You want yes. CJ and Draymond going at each other. That sounds pretty it. good. That right? actually That's sounds good awesome. That's yeah, good that, TV. That, that sounds pretty good. I also can't wait till 2035 when whoever's doing a version of a podcast, whatever that is in the future, <laughs> bashes CJ McCollum's jersey retirement like Jared did for half of the 77 <laughs> Can't wait for that to happen. Kids. Uh, Guys, they were really important players, but some of these guys didn't even average double figures. That's just weird. Yeah, no, it, you're correct. It is weird, but it's also weird to take a shot at the only team who's <laughs> won a championship in the history. Of the I didn't take a shot at the team. I took a shot at some of the players who had their jerseys retired. Okay. The team is legendary. So is uh, Max Barr and Rippet. So we're getting closer to the regular season and the return of Rippet and, and getting this uh, – podcast into regular season form so looking forward to that as we mentioned earlier in the podcast 
Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to rate us. Give us those five-star reviews. Comment on it. Show us some love. Help your boys out uh, so we can reach a, an even greater audience. And uh, sponsors out there. Come on. I hear you. I hear you. Let's We're looking for a sponsor for Rip It. We need one. Oh, definitely need one. Hit I us like up that. on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> DMs are open. <laughs> there you go. Slide in. Slide into Max's DM. You have permission. Internet. Uh, it's been real from Orlando, Nate, Jared, and Max. We'll see you guys on the next one. Appreciate you.